Welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Moulton, Ryan, and Swalwell hold CNN town halls. Bennett meets the polling criteria for the debates, becoming the 21st candidate to do so. And how Booker and Warren are betting big on Iowa. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. On Sunday night, CNN held three town halls back-to-back. They featured Seth Moulton, Tim Ryan, and Eric Swalwell. The events were all held in the CNN Center in Atlanta, and each lasted for one hour. Now, three hours of town halls is a whole lot, but I will try to boil it down for you. I also want to put these candidates in context, like where their campaigns are right now, and give you a taste of what each of them actually said during their town hall events. All right, so heading into these town hall events, all three of these candidates are in some danger of not reaching the DNC debates coming up later this month. Both Ryan and Swalwell have reached the polling criteria, but Moulton has not. None of these three candidates have 65,000 donors, or at least they haven't announced that if they do. So if nothing else changes, Ryan and Swalwell have a decent shot of making it. But as we'll discuss later in this show, we are about to hit tiebreaker time in qualifications for those debates. And Moulton, frankly, needs a bump right now to get in there at all. So my point here is the stakes are extremely high for these candidates, and Moulton most of all. So at 6 p.m., Moulton took the stage with moderator Victor Blackwell. As a reminder, Moulton is one of the rare veterans in this field having led combat operations in Iraq. He has suffered from PTSD and discussed that in a separate interview on CNN over the weekend. Part of his platform includes improvements to mental health care across the board. Moulton covered a ton of ground within the one-hour town hall. He said he would reverse the DOJ rules that prevent indictment of a sitting president, and he supports starting impeachment proceedings against President Trump now. And remember, Moulton is currently a member of the House, so he would be involved. He also said he prefers a public option added to Obamacare rather than Medicare for All and said the reason behind that preference is because he has received health care from the Department of Veterans Affairs, which is itself a Medicare-style system. He said that his experience there led to wait lists and other undesirable outcomes, so he would rather see private health insurance continue to exist in competition with a government-sponsored single-payer system. Okay, but the breakout moment for Moulton was in response to a question from Maria Fernandez, a hospital patient relations manager. Let's listen to her question and his answer. Oh, and keep in mind, they're in Atlanta, Georgia. Listen in. What is your plan to lead the dismantling of systemic racism in this country to drive justice for marginalized groups, especially for Black and First Nations people? And if you could please, please frame this beyond criminal justice reform. We have a problem with racism in America today. If this country wasn't racist, Stacey Abrams would be governor. Because people of color are being systemically denied the most basic right in a democracy, which is the right to vote. That's why we need a new Voting Rights Act in America. And quick reminder, the context there is that Abrams narrowly lost to Brian Kemp, 
who allegedly engaged in voter suppression during the election. Anyway, Moulton followed up on Twitter with details on that new Voting Rights Act he mentioned. He wrote, quote, That means automatic voter registration, abolishing the Electoral College, ending gerrymandering, and statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, end quote. Okay, moving on to Tim Ryan. Now, Poppy Harlow moderated that, and Ryan, again, covered a ton of ground. When asked if he was comfortable with the idea of an all-white, all-male Democratic ticket in 2020, he said, quote, No, absolutely not. Our ticket and the next president's cabinet must reflect the diversity of the country, and I'm committed to do that, end quote. As CNN pointed out in their recap of the event, Ryan is, of course, a white man, as were all three candidates in the Sunday town halls. Ryan also got into President Trump's tariff policies. He said that the biggest issue for the next president would be managing this country's relationship with China. So here's a statement from Ryan on that tariff thing. Quote, Trump does not have a big strategy. He has a tactic that gets him on TV because he sends a tweet out, tariffs are on, tariffs are off, and the media runs with it all the time and it changes the subject and he can look tough. We're getting our clocks cleaned. End quote. All right, so let's play a clip in response to a question. I actually don't have the audio of the questioner here, but according to a Chiron on the CNN screen, the question was, would you tell the truth to workers whose jobs have been automated and help them move into the 21st century workforce? Here's how he replied. I'm running because I understand exactly what those workers are going through. And in many ways, I believe I'm the only one in this campaign who deeply, deeply, deeply understands what those workers are going through. Because I've been living in communities like that my entire life. My grandfather was a steel worker. My wife is from that community. Her dad worked in a steel mill, lost his job 40 years ago uh, when they shut the gates down. Uh, I can tell you a story about my cousin Donnie, who was a Vietnam vet. Uh, he, uh, last, his last act at the company he worked for was to unbolt the machine from the factory floor, put it in a box, and ship it to China. Okay? And then I can go back a couple weeks, and it's been in the New York Times above the fold about the General Motors plant that has closed. And that plant used to have 16,000 people. And when these plants close, I know who's working in them. They're my family. They're my friends. The first place I went when they laid off the last shift at General Motors was to go to the Union Hall and put my arms around those workers because I know them. And to your question, I've been telling people in my community since I started in politics, the steel mills aren't coming back. I've been telling them the truth for 20 years, and I've been doing everything in my power to bring money back, use my congressional position on the Appropriations Committee the last 17 years. I brought back hundreds of millions of dollars to my community to start an energy incubator, to work around additive manufacturing and 3D printing, to move our community into those future industries. That's what I want to do as President of the United States because these folks, my folks, our folks are forgotten. They're black, they're white, they're brown, they're gay, they're straight. They take a shower after work. And when I'm president, they're not going to be forgotten anymore. When I walk into the White House every morning, when I walk into the Oval Office every morning, no one's going to have to explain to me why I'm there or who I'm there for. Okay. And last, let's cover Eric Swalwell. His town hall was moderated by Jim Shuto, and again, they managed to cover an impressive amount of policy ground in just one hour. 
Swalwell said he doesn't agree with Bernie Sanders about extending voting rights to people who are currently serving prison terms. However, he does support returning voting rights to most felons after they are released. Swalwell managed to confuse moderator Jim Shudo with an answer about Medicare for All. He said he agreed with 90% of that bill, but he also thinks people should be able to choose private insurance if they want. Now, this confused me too. I don't understand how a candidate can say, yeah, I'm 90% on board with Medicare for All, which, at least in the Sanders bill, intentionally destroys the private healthcare market, but also, you know, I want to keep that private healthcare market around. Um, you gotta pick one, right? So, Shudo followed up, and in that follow-up, he did get the clarity that we needed. Here's a quote from Swalwell from that exchange. Quote, I think ingrained in our DNA is choice. People want to have choices, but they also expect that the government should offer an affordable plan if their employer is not providing it. End quote. Now, let me point out that in its written recap, CNN misquoted him, leaving out the word not which truly destroys what he's saying there, okay? So here's where going back to the primary source and listening to actual audio really, really helps. There is a link to the whole exchange in the show notes. All right, so here's what he was really getting at, which you would not get from the written CNN recap. Swalwell wants a public option added to Obamacare. That's it. And that is a mainstream opinion within this field. All right, confusion over, and let's all keep checking our quotes. And last up from Swalwell, here is a quote on impeachment. The question comes from Irene Camera, who is Assistant Secretary of the NAACP in Atlanta. Listen in. Given all of the um, references in the Mueller report regarding the obstruction yeah. done by uh, the White House, what is your line in the sand regarding the impeachment of Trump? Yeah. Well, thank you, Irene, for the work you do uh, in this historic city uh, for you. civil rights. The way I approach this as a a prosecutor is that the rule of law is everything in America. It's the key ingredient. Without it, we lose free speech, free press, free markets, a freedom to dream. We have a lawless president. First things first, I think we should move immediately to impeach the Attorney General and Secretary Mnuchin. Their front door obstruction. I'm on the Judiciary Committee as well. And on the Judiciary Committee, I'm the only candidate in this race who would actually have to prosecute this case. So when I would go to court, I'd make sure my subpoenas were ready, my pencils were sharpened, my exhibits were ready to be displayed. We have to get ready for impeachment with this president. And here's why. And I think about it the way I'm raising my two-year-old right now and our seven-month-old. We're doing the one, two, three method. You count to three when your son's bad, take a toy away. If you don't, he's gonna get worse. With this president, he has to see consequences. He's a really bad kid. But the other, the other thing, Irene, the other thing, Irene, is that the other part of this is I think of my daughter who's looking at how I discipline my son, and if I do nothing, the standard of conduct is lower. So future presidents will look at doing nothing as lowering the standard of conduct. Let's impeach Barr and Mnuchin, and let's get ready for impeachment of this president because he's put us in no other position. Okay.
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Big news this morning. Senator Michael Bennett has now reached one of the two possible criteria for getting on the DNC debate stage later this month. He has now met the polling threshold, meaning he got at least 1% support in three separate polls that the DNC approves of. The one that put him over the top was actually a CNN poll. And, by the way, he appeared on CNN for a town hall last week. He has not yet reached the grassroots donor support threshold, but still, technically, either one of those criteria should get you in the door. Cool. But it's never quite that simple, is it? Okay, so here's the problem. A week ago today, I reported that 20 candidates had qualified either based on polling or grassroots donor support or both. And now, Bennett makes that 21. There is some disagreement online about whether a few of the candidates, most notably de Blasio, have actually hit that polling requirement, but by my read, he has. So, we are now into tiebreaker territory. Yay! Boo! Oh, man, this is going to get rough. I mean, it really is going to get rough, and it's going to be a pain. So, the DNC has this to say about tiebreakers. Quote, If more than 20 candidates qualify for the debate, the top 20 candidates will be selected using a methodology that gives primacy to candidates meeting both thresholds, followed by the highest polling average, followed by the most unique donors, end quote. Okay, so right now we have eight candidates who are rolling with just the polling average thing. Those are, at least at the moment I read this, Bennett, Bullock, de Blasio, Delaney, Gillibrand, Hickenlooper, Ryan, and Swalwell. Those are the ones who need to do one of two things. First, they can try to meet the donor threshold, meaning they would get 65,000 donors with at least 200 people in each of 20 states. Now, if any of them can do that, it puts them in a relatively safe category of major candidates who currently meet both criteria. But at this late date, that's not going to happen for all of them. So the second thing they can do is increase their polling averages. So look, here's what I think will happen. The DNC, like it just said, will rely first on who gets the best polling numbers. That is really interesting because we're looking at a bunch of candidates who, quite frankly, are polling well within the margin of error and generally right around 1%. So if there is a tiebreaker and that's the criteria, it's going to be fractions of a percentage point. And given the way a lot of these polls work, that really could mean that just dozens or hundreds of people responding to certain polls would actually dictate who gets on that stage. 
So stay tuned for what happens next, but my guess is you're going to see a lot more of this town hall style stuff, big media moments, right away in an attempt by the candidates to get a small polling bump. They need all the bumps they can get, and they need them right now. And last up today, in New York Magazine, Gabriel Debinetti wrote a long article about how Senators Cory Booker and Elizabeth Warren are focusing big time on Iowa. This is a classic campaign strategy because Iowa has first-in-the-nation caucuses and can set the tone for later votes. But the big question is whether that classic pattern still holds in the modern era. Sure seems like Booker and Warren think it will. Reading from the story, and warning, this is a long run-on sentence. Quote, While most campaigns, including some of the top-tier ones, have fewer than a dozen aides on the ground in the state, it's Booker, whose 42 full-time Iowa staffers, including in-state digital and data teams, blanket the state. And Warren, who now has over 50 paid staffers there, about three-quarters of whom are organizers, who are dominating the traditional organizing game. End quote. So those numbers, 42 and 50 staffers for those candidates, are actually very substantial. They represent a real investment in the small state and an early investment. These two candidates are not the only ones who hope to make a big splash in Iowa. For instance, Amy Klobuchar and Steve Bullock are both really focused on Iowa, but they don't have anywhere near the ground game of Booker and Warren right now. Another interesting note is that this kind of classic campaign strategy might actually be outmoded. Trump didn't do much in Iowa in 2016, and look how that turned out. And Sanders this year has a giant online operation that his campaign claims has signed up more than 25,000 volunteers within Iowa. That is an incredible number given that Iowa's Democratic caucus goers number around 200,000 total. So if that number is right, Sanders has one-eighth of them volunteering for him already. Booker, for his part, is cramming tons of events into every day, driving between them in his campaign RV. During his most recent visit to Iowa, he did 11 events in four days, sometimes in very small places like people's homes. He is also staying the night in people's homes rather than using hotels. This is a mix of classic and new. The classic is, yeah, you go talk to small groups of heavily engaged people and you get them to sign up to support you in the caucuses. The new part is literally hanging out in their houses overnight. But the hope seems to be that when the caucuses start, those people stand up and say, yeah, I had that candidate in my living room and he slept on my couch and here's what I think. Meanwhile, Warren is also spending a ton of energy keeping her name recognition super high in Iowa. Reading from the article here, quote, her team of organizers has built up a constant presence in supporters' lives aiming to keep them engaged even when Warren isn't in Iowa by hosting events like book clubs, policy conversations, and road races, end quote. And that's not all. For a nice long read on the Iowa situation right now, check out that last link in the show notes. It is well worth a look at all the candidates who are running around Iowa and searching for caucus support. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. Okay, I have a request for you. If you are enjoying this podcast, and I hope you are because you're listening to this little end bit here, I would love it if you could tweet or post on Facebook something about the show. Here, I'll give you a sample line to start with. 
Uh, quote, I listen to the primary ride home every day. It keeps me up to date on the news with the Democratic primaries. End quote. Or, you know, something like that. The best way for me to keep the lights on is to have more folks listen to the show, and the best way to do that is with your help. I appreciate your time, your attention, and your support. As always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.